Welcome to Clear Out. I am your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I am joined by my brother, Sahil. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a good first week or so of the NBA season. It's been a lot to keep track of, but I've had a lot of fun watching. Yeah, it's been an incredible start. A lot of great games that I've watched. Uh, you know, you, we were, you were mentioning before uh, we started about the rule changes, you know, James Harden. I, I was actually, I was watching a game last night. We're recording this on Thursday, the 28th. Um, and last night, there were like four or five different times where James Harden tried to draw a foul, and he didn't. And it was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, f- 15 free throws in his first five games. So three free throws a game, that's way low. I mean, there could be a lot of factors for that. Besides the rule changes, he just looks a bit slower and not good. But yeah, I think I think um, J- I think James Harden is not doing as great of a job as some of the other players. As you know, like as uh, other players kind of have figured out to stop trying that so much. But I think James Harden is going to take him a little more time. Absolutely. Well, and you know, another great aspect of the rule is just stopping before half court and drawing a foul. Last night when the Bucks were playing the Timberwolves. Um, uh, Pat, Patrick Beverly just stopped in his tracks and Thanasis ran into him and it was called an offensive foul. So right. uh, I do love that. Speaking of the Bucks, I happened to be at ring night last week and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about my experience, but it was pretty awesome. I mean, I had a great time. Yeah, what, what stands out to you? What's the first thing you'll, rem- you'll remember from being there for that for that moment? Well, I, you know, they played a video before the broadcast started, and I definitely was tearing up a little bit when that happened. Um, but it was really cool that Jim Paschke, the Bucks uh, TV announcer for many, many years, was there giving the rings to people. I still find it a little weird and off-putting when the owners get the rings first and, like, they get to, like, say a speech. Like, I get it, but, like, I, no one really cared about them. Yeah. Except uh, Herb Cole did get a ring, a uh, former U.S. senator. He donated $100 million to the building of Pfizer Forum, uh, and he's the former owner of the Bucks. Uh, so it was really awesome to see him in the crowd and uh, see him getting the ring. Uh, and, you know, the, the team, the players, Giannis especially, it was great seeing them look so happy. The biggest thing was those those sweaters that they were wearing uh, the white and gold those are awesome i really want one of those but they're like 150 dollars, so i don't know if i'm going to be able to get one of them but they were pretty cool i i really like those yeah those were awesome anyone's specific reaction to getting the ring that was one of your favorite or i liked when brooke was what brooke Lopez oh my was god walking yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> when he was walking out he was like shaking his head um <laughs> The way he's approached the whole thing, like, since the final buzzer sounded in Game 6 of the finals has been hilarious and awesome. Definitely one of my favorite players in the NBA. I think what was really impressive was, you know, the Bucks were, once the game started, they were motivated. They they kind of seemed like they put it behind them, and, and they played super well and kind of took it to the Nets, which I guess now isn't as impressive as it was after uh, during Game 1. Um, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. The Nets have just been struggling. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. We got these little uh, light-up bracelets at, at the at the game, and whenever, like, something happened, they would light up different colors. Uh, it was coordinated by the Bucks, so that was really cool to get one of those, a little keepsake. I actually think I was supposed to return it, but I didn't. I saw people putting them in boxes, and I just <laughs> put it in my pocket and That's took it fair. home. Um, 
But I love going to Pfizer Forum. If anyone who's listening is like near the Milwaukee area, like I would, I would a hundred percent recommend you going out there. Uh, I think this was my, I want to say my seventh time being there, and it's always been just super fun. The atmosphere was great during the ring ceremony. Uh, a little dull during the game, I would say, but um, it was so cool. Something that I never really, I, I never thought I would see before the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the Bucks have, for my entire life, really have been terrible. And just to see this team win and see the guys, you know, with Chris, especially Chris and Giannis win a ring together and get the ring together was great. Um, and also Bud. I was really happy for Coach Bud uh, to see him get his ring as well. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Capped off a, a little win streak for you of uh, going to live sporting events. So that's fun. But oh yeah, that's true. I was four and zero, and I'm undefeated at Pfizer Forum. Um, I am too. It's been pretty easy to be honest since Pfizer Forum has been open. I mean, if it, well, especially since we don't, I mean, live in Milwaukee, so we, get, we don't get to go that often. I mean, the Bucks have done a lot of winning since Pfizer Forum has opened. That's true, but I I did go to four playoff games, and one went to overtime. The Hawks, you know, they were down 0-1. The Nets or the Nets. I mean, it was it was two one in that series in the finals. It was two zero. So those were not guaranteed wins. Okay. Um, but yeah, I did go to the Pistons. A game of the Pistons series a few years ago. That was that was a pretty easy, pretty easy win. One more thing about Bud. You know, I remember before one of the playoff games, he was being booed. So just to hear the re- reception he got, I feel so great for Bud. You know, we we obviously you and I have had mixed feelings about Bud throughout his tenure, but he's a championship coach, and I think he really did show the ability to adjust and change and motivate the team when it's down. So uh, he's a good coach. Happy he won it in Milwaukee. Um, But let's move on. So today we're going to be talking about uh, five different teams, just, you know, their starts to the season, five teams we find interesting, uh, and those are the Lakers, Warriors, Hornets, Bulls, and Heat. Why don't we start with the Lakers, the team, probably the most popular team in the NBA with arguably the best player in the NBA, Russell Westbrook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> LeBron uh, and Anthony Davis. LeBron's been out for the last two games, I believe. Yeah, yeah. he's been out for the last two games. Um, and they are currently two and three. Uh, Russ has had, predictably, in my opinion, a rough start to the season. He had a pretty good game against San Antonio in their overtime win. Um, But other than that, he's looked pretty rough. Um, To me, it's no coincidence that his best game was the first game when LeBron wasn't there. I just think I saw a lot of people saying, okay, Russ has put it together. Like, this is what it's going to be like going forward. But to me, it's just even more proof that this team doesn't make sense. Russ makes sense when the team when he's on a team that has great spacing where he can drive and kick it just doesn't really make sense when him and lebron are on the floor when he's not going to be the ball dominant player what have you seen from the lakers so far that's been interesting to you um well first of all i think they deserve a special shout out for blowing a 26 point lead last night against the (laughs) oklahoma city thunder uh (laughs) lebron or not the oklahoma city thunder are clearly not trying to win games and 
they are just you should not be losing to them if you have Anthony Davis out there granted Anthony Davis did pick up a knock against the Spurs so his knee wasn't great I think but he had a really good game yesterday overall it I think that knee injury did show defensively um yeah I mean in that game just the way they collapsed in the second half in the second half their offense was completely just out of sorts Russ took eight threes, two for eight, took a couple key ones in crunch time, too, that did not make any sense. And, um, you know, sometimes it's frustrating watching him because if he's wide open off a catch in space, he can exploit that space and make a play. He still can do that. He's still got that burst. But him taking those threes in those kind of positions, it's just, it's just not what you want. I mean, use that space to your advantage. Just because you have space and you're open to take a three doesn't mean you should because you're Russell Westbrook. So... Yeah, I mean, this team's really interesting. It's 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 really hard to see how they can put these lineups together because lineups with Anthony Davis and DeAndre Jordan, um, those are decent defensively, but really bad offensively, as you might expect with you know not much spacing out there with Westbrook, DeAndre Jordan, and Anthony Davis. And that three-person combination, those lineups are just can't score and are not effective defensively. So um, I'm... You know, LeBron is going to paper over a lot of problems with this team, but you can see how there's just not a lot of bodies you feel comfortable with putting out there right now. But, I mean, that's partly due, you know, the THT, Nunn, and Ellington are injured right now. So, you know, it'll help to get those guys back. But this team's 23rd in defense right now. I don't think any of those guys are really helping that, right? I mean, <laughs> so no. that's the issue here. No, and, and I will say... You know, watching that game last night, Josh Giddy's a player, and I've I've been watching him a little bit with the Thunder. I'm really excited about him for the Thunder. Yeah. Um, although he did try to throw the game away at the end. I don't know if you saw that, but he threw the ball right, right. to Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, airballed the three, right? He airballed the yeah. three. Yeah. No, and you know, Russ, he I think like if you look at his counting stats, they're always great. You know, he's averaging eighteen nine and nine this season, but he's shooting forty two percent from the field. 17% from three and 47% from the line. And and he's a player who has one of the highest usage rates in the league, 34%. So he is being given the ball. And to me, that just takes the ball out of LeBron's hands when he's there. Obviously, the numbers are a little skewed because, again, LeBron didn't play two games. But it's just... Man, I mean, we, I, I'm gonna, I guess I'm beating a dead horse here when, when we talk about Russ's fit. But like you said, even the players outside of Russ don't really make sense. And the most frustrating thing, which you alluded to, is Anthony Davis's unwillingness to play the five. I mean, he should play the five. <laughs> he is a five, and the team would be so much better for it if he did. Because DeAndre Jordan is just not good anymore, and I don't even know how he's playing over Dwight Howard, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I, I mean, I feel like Dwight Howard's way better right now, um, even though they're both not great options for this team. So, you know, we'll see if they can put it together. I, I don't see them finishing really above sixth, in my opinion, or fifth um, in the West. I don't think they're going to have a home series. Um, and, I, you know, I think the things we talked about before the season, a lot of those things are coming true and have been evident yeah. just by watching, watching the team. You know, and we should give Vogel time to, to figure out his lineups and what his best lineups are and what his best looks are. But... You know, LeBron and AD have they've been balling out. They've been great, I think, when they've been playing. Yeah. And the team is still losing because the rest of the team just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I mean, 
Oh, I, I think you made a great point just now with Vogel trying to figure out what lineups, you know, work because this team has probably had more turnover than any other team in the league. So definitely need to give them some time. I do think they're going to be able to handle teams like the Spurs and the Thunder in an easier fashion going forward. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's so tough because yeah, Davis at center, I mean, I agree that's his best position and it's frustrating that he's not willing to play there. But then like... like the other wings and guards that you have to surround them with, I mean, if you're throwing out Mello and Russ and Monk, I mean, the, the defense just crumbles, really. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. can't do that much. And um, another bad sign for the Lakers is that Russell Westbrook, really the only place he's been efficient on the court is on long twos, and this is the best he shot long twos in a few seasons, so that might even go down. So I, I, I don't... I, look, Russell Westbrook in his last game with LeBron was doing a better job cutting off ball and screening a little bit. And I think that they're going to be able to figure it out. I'm more worried about this team defensively as Anthony Davis, you know, LeBron has his ankle issue. Anthony Davis has his knee issue. They might not be able to perform peak defensively. And then around them, there's just not the defenders, but I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm more, this is the most worried I've been about the Lakers defense uh, in the Vogel era. And I, and I, and I asked you this question on the last podcast. I said, you, you, you were saying maybe Anthony Davis has a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, but you have to have a good defense usually to win that award, and I'm 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 worried about how they're going to construct that. But if, if if a coach can elevate the floor of a defense, it's Vogel, so we'll we'll have to give him a shot. It's only only five games, as you said. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the DeAndre Jordan Anthony Davis lineups. The lineups that make even less sense are the Rondo Westbrook lineups. I never want to see that ever. Um, it's just. <laughs> It's just awful. But you're right. The, the defense, it's just not there. I think what's going to end up hap- happening is I think Avery Bradley is going to be playing a lot of minutes in the playoffs, uh, which is not great. <laughs> um, but I, I think he probably is a better option than, you know, some of the guys they have uh, at guard. Um, I guess he's more of a wing. But, I, well, that's, this is a problem, right? Like, who <laughs> who is guarding the opposing guards on – on the teams, which is on opposing teams, which I guess is what you're talking about. Um, you know, yeah. I, I haven't really been paying attention to Austin Reeves. Do you have a read on how he's been and how he's played? Um, yeah, haven't loved him defensively, and I he is he's pretty confident shooting the ball. I don't know what his if the numbers actually bear out that he's been shooting well or anything, but uh, I some of the shot selection for the Lakers in that OKC game was interesting. Just a lot of really just like settling for jumpers not playing through anthony davis as much as i think they should have reeves and westbrook just launching threes but um yeah i i he he's been he looks confident out there i think he could be a good player i just don't think he's what the lakers need right now yeah that's fair he is shooting 56 percent from the field and 40 percent from three on two and a half attempts so not terrible i mean if he can be like a knockdown shooter well i mean obviously 40 percent is good but two and a half attempts is not great um so i mean if he can be a knockdown shooter he might really help them but yeah i mean defensively like i said i haven't really been paying attention to him on that end so uh i'll definitely take your word for it that he's not been impressive which you know provides even more problems uh, why don't we move on to the Golden State Warriors? Probably the most fun team to watch in the league right now. Steph has been incredible. Um, but why, why don't you talk a little bit about the Warriors and what you've seen? Well, um, you know, it's it's still 
We're still living in a similar area, seemingly, because Draymond at the center lineups have been quite good. Plus 19 for 100 possessions. <laughs> and, you know, it's fine that they start It's fine that they start Looney. I mean, whatever. Like, they're going to end up winning these games. I, I just hope those those minutes generally go down as the, as the season goes on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's curveball when it's working. It's just beautiful to watch. Tons of off-ball movement. Steph making his teammates better. Draymond has been so good passing the ball and on defense. And um, and the scary part is Steph's been efficient, but he can be even more efficient than he has. He's shooting 40% from three, which is lower you know, than, than he can actually shoot from three. He's usually between that 43 and 45 mark on, on a little higher volume. So, um, and I don't know, a lot of these lineups um, in the, at that two-guard spot, Damian Lee and Jordan Poole have been playing, and a lot of people were excited about Jordan Poole, but he's been really inefficient uh, so far this season. Still developing there, and I think he's still got the confidence and the off-the-dribble game to like round out into a good player, but you can only imagine when Clay comes back, and I believe Shams reported that He'll be back to full practice in about a month. Um, you can only imagine how those lineups can even get better with Draymond at the five, Steph and Clay, and then throw Wiggins and Iguodala in there too. Um, you can only imagine how well those lineups can can uh, can be can play. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it. I think Steve Kerr and, and the Warriors probably know that Draymond Green at the five is their best option. But really, the regular season is just about getting through the season. And, you know, that's just not going to always be feasible. I think, honestly, preserving Draymond Green is going to be incredibly important for the playoffs. So I think, honestly, the less minutes he gets at the five, the better this season um, in the regular season. Because uh, it seems, I mean, his job is incredibly difficult when he's playing at the five. And it seems like it takes a toll on his body. So, for sure. But I, I think the thing that stood out to me, and we talked a little bit about this in, in the preview episode... Uh, or not in the previous episode, but in the off-season editions, um, this team is just so much deeper than it was last year, in my opinion. And I think players like Otto Porter, Bielitsa, um, and obviously Iguodala and Looney are are serviceable players coming off the bench. And they didn't. It felt like they didn't really have that last year. And Bielitsa has been really impressive to me. Um, yeah. And uh, sorry, what are you gonna say? Yeah, Bielitsa has been impressive, and I know you called out Otto Porter uh, on that offseason moves you liked, and I think he's mm-hmm. he hasn't shot the ball super well as well as he can, but he's I think he's really slotted in nicely and fits in that system, and Kerr's got him playing some good defense as well. Yeah, and I, I think he's... All of these guys, I think all the numbers are going to go up once Clay comes back, uh, and there's even more attention being given to another superstar on the team. Um, defensively, how, how, how have you seen them doing this year? I know you mentioned, you know, Draymond at, at the five, but do you see them being a top-level defensive team? I think Draymond at the five, um, Iguodala there, hopefully he can, you know, make it through the end of the season and still look as uh, fit and as, you know, he can move just as well at the end of the season as he can now. And Clay coming back, I think you can get to around a top 10 to 15 defense. And then I think... You get Clay back, you already have the seventh offense right now, and you're not even shooting as well from three as you really can. And Steph is not playing as well as he can, even though he's arguably like the MVP candidate, uh, like the MVP front runner right now. It's probably too early to make MVP front runners, but uh, I predicted Steph to win MVP, which is why I, I you know, I want to mention that a little bit. But um, I think 
that a top 10 to 15 defense, I think that's serviceable because don't you think this team could be a, a top five offense? Oh, absolutely. I and, think all, all, all the pieces are there for them to be a top five offense. A lot of it does hinge on how Clay looks when he comes back. Uh, I think defensively, it's going to be interesting to see how well he moves. Um, and even off ball, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how well he moves because it's not an easy injury to come back from. And he's been gone for like two years now. So, you know, it, it, it does make me a little bit nervous. And I think it's dangerous to assume Clay is going to come back and he's going to be Clay Thompson. He could be, but he just might not be the same player. So I think that's something that, that we should be accounting for. Yeah, I that's totally true. A lot, a lot. I, the ceiling of this team really rises and falls with Clay Thompson, and I I'm really hoping that he can look ninety percent of what he was before his two injuries because that really could help this team a lot on both ends. And I think this team could I think use someone who could put a little bit more pressure at the rim. They're not getting really many attempts at the rim and really like i mean steph he can still get to the rim and he might be their honestly their best player going to the basket and i think they just might need someone who can um attack closeouts better put some pressure to even you know uh create even more tricky decisions for defenses between if they want to guard at the perimeter or guard at the basket um a really interesting trade piece that i saw i think jackson frank tweet about on twitter um a few weeks ago was christian wood and i i if he is available for the Rockets and the Warriors want to throw in picks or something, if he was at that five spot instead of Looney, I know Christian Woods is not the greatest defender, but I think he could fit in really nice offensively if they if they could ever get him. But I do think they should they need someone who can just do a little bit more damage in the paint. Yeah, I know. That now that you mentioned that, that's that's so true. Uh, like you said, Steph really is the only guy well Wiggins can get there too um but yeah. Steph is is the guy that can get there consistently um Christian Wood I, his defense like you said I, you said he's not the best defender I think that's honestly putting it very mildly um I, I don't think he's a good defender at all but I see you know I see how it makes sense someone we haven't mentioned is is James Wiseman um is he out for the entire year no Do I, know? I don't think so uh, so like, what? Where does he factor in? Not at all. I mean, I think if they were trying to win games, uh, <laughs> then <laughs> that would be the correct answer. Yes, <laughs> maybe some garbage time minutes, but beyond that, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. Um. So okay, according to the athletic, he is expected to be fully cleared in the next couple of weeks. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, it'll be. You know, I, I'm curious to see how they play him and how much they play him. Um, you know, I, he was not good at all last season, as you know, you made it you 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 made that pretty clear by saying he should only be getting garbage time minutes. But, <laughs> that is know, a little bit harsh. Could, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just yeah. I mean, but if he could be a serviceable player, that's a big piece for them. If if I mean, that's a big if. It's probably not going to happen. But. Um, he was the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, the other. Yeah. No. I mean, he definitely. I mean, I. I I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I. I definitely am not trying to say that Wiseman will never be a good player. But as someone who wants to enjoy these last few years of prime, Draymond, Clay, and Steph, or maybe a little bit post prime for some of them, um, I just think that trying to integrate Wiseman 
into this team who could really the Warriors really could be the best team in the West right now or like especially when it comes to the playoffs and I think that trying to integrate Wiseman is just counter to like trying to win games like truthfully at this point so um it'll be interesting to see what they do with him um Jonathan Kaminga also has not played yet he's expected to be out for a few games so we'll see how many minutes he gets I also don't know if he (laughs) will be like a super useful player off the bat um and if he might uh you know he might take a toll on their efficiency but we'll have to see that they will Steve Kerr is going to have to make some decisions and um it, it might not fully be up to him depending on what the front office and ownership wants out of this group have we the has Moses Moody played at all? What what's going on with him? I uh, haven't seen him at all. I don't think so. Hmm. I wonder if that's a, okay. He's I, played three games, averaging three minutes a game. So okay. Not not uh, not really. I was really looking forward to him because I think he could be a useful player, especially especially as a shooter uh, for the Warriors this year, but. You know, all these young guys, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, maybe they just aren't going to be part of the plans for this this season, which makes sense. I mean, like you said, they're a team that wants to win now and that can win now. Um, all right, let's move on to my current favorite team. That's not the Bucks, The Charlotte Hornets. And, man, this team is so much fun. LaMelo Ball is is a superstar. I mean, not yet, but he's going to be a superstar. Um <laughs> Obviously, you know, he's shooting like 46% from three this year, which I don't think is going to sustain. But, you know, even if he shoots like 38, 39%, that's an element to his game that's going to make him almost impossible to guard. He still is an incredible passer. He, The team itself has looked really good, really cohesive together. Gordon Hayward has been awesome, um, you know, in his role, and he looks like the player that they thought they were getting honestly uh miles bridges has been has taken a step um which is really exciting to see he just keeps on improving another super exciting player kelly Oubre is there <laughs> um, he exists in the team uh and he can be good sometimes it, it you know cody martin has been re- really impressive to me this year he's been shooting the lights out of the, the ball he's consistently or he's been not a great shooter in his career so we'll see if that sustains but if he you know, if he's a serviceable player off the bench, I think this team could be really, really scary. And Jalen McDaniels has been great, too. Uh, Terry Rozier has been injured. And, you know, once he comes back, he adds another dynamic scorer uh, to them. He played one game, but once he once he comes back into the lineup, which should be in the next couple of weeks, he adds another perimeter scorer um, and someone who just makes their offense even scarier than it already is. I guess you can make the argument that maybe he takes the ball out of Lamelo's hands, but I think uh, he he will be another great addition to this team going forward. I will say, watching this team, I think they're going to really struggle against bigger teams. Uh, so, I mean, against, like, the Bucks or against Philadelphia, I think they're they're really going to struggle. Uh, Mason Plumley has been their center, um, and I'm not a huge fan of him. He's played pretty well. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest rebounder in the world, um, and... Apparently he's 6'11", but he looks like he's 6'8 or 6'9 to me when he's on the floor. Uh, So, you know, I I think they're going to really struggle with rebounding. That's something I saw even last night when they were playing it. You know, it looked like it was really difficult for for them to get the ball. So they they don't really have any big options besides Plumlee. 
Yeah, um, they've been that, playing a lot a of PJ Washington at the five. Um, yes, they have been. Which has been working, but I share your concerns about Plumlee. He was giving up a lot of point, points in the paint to the Magic yesterday. Uh, yeah. They didn't have PJ Washington available for that game, so they had to roll with a lot of Plumlee, and it was very, very hard to watch. He's a good passer. He can do some things, but just I, I don't... I, I, this it's just, this team is just missing a real center, and I like the PJ Washington at the five lineups, and I think they should roll, they should roll with that. But if we've learned anything from these last few years, you need some versatility. You're gonna, like you said, you're gonna need a center who can, you know, you're gonna need a big body who can throw at the Anthony Davises of the world, and Plumlee is not going to be that. So that is definitely my biggest concern, and I just would love if they could uh, get a dynamic center that can stretch the floor, play some defense, body up. Um, and can also rim run because I mean, like Mason Plumlee, like he's he's often made to look like a pretty dynamic rim runner because of Lamelo's passing. But I think like they could get even more lobs if you put someone else in there. So yeah, I definitely would like them to get a center. Um, yeah, but I, I totally agreed with your point as well about Terry Rozier coming back. It's uh, they're third in offense right now, Charlotte, twenty second in defense, but third in offense, and that's without that's with Terry Rozier only playing limited minutes for one game. So, yeah, they've been going to Ish Smith in crunch time sometimes over Lamelo, um, which I kind of get. He, I kind of get that decision by Borrego. He does kind of have that bucket getting ability, but I don't see that happening too much when Rogier is back, which is the kind of luxury you have. I mean, Rogier was one of the best crunch time players in the league last year. So, um, and he's a shot maker and a bucket getter, and he'll definitely help their offense. He can, he, he can only do that. And um, yeah, I mean, th- this I agree with you. This team is super exciting. Also. We cannot just casually mention Miles Bridges because he's averaging 25 a game. <laughs> he's hitting off the dribble threes, showing patience at times. It's not just like full throttle going to the basket and trying to dunk over people, although he can definitely do that. And you can see defenders kind of struggling to like, to like, how do you regard this guy? He's hitting off the dribble threes. He's one of the most athletic people in the entire league, and he can dunk over anyone at any time. Like, I mean, Miles Bridges is, wow. Like, he, he looks so good right now and i could see him honestly staying over that 20 points per game mark by the end of the season yeah he might be the most improved guy he might be the guy that wins that award um no he's been awesome and he's been so much fun to watch uh you you alluded to it the defense the defense is still not great with this team and i think a lot of that does have to do with you know mason plumley being the five and even pj washington being a five at times lamello you know his from what I've seen, his defense is still not great, but he still is getting steals, which is really important and can kind of offset um, what, he, you know, his his deficiencies on that end of the floor. And, you know, like you said, and the Plumlee, just to illustrate, last night Plumlee got outplayed by Mo Bamba, which is not good. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to get outplayed by Mo Bamba, you're going to get outplayed by really any center in the league. Um, so, like you said, huge problem for them, but something they can address uh, throughout the season. Maybe they can make a trade. Um, for sure. You know, uh, Book Knight hasn't played, um, so I'm excited to see what he can do once he gets on the floor. Um, but, yeah, I, it's just a really exciting team. I'm, I, I've, if there's one team in the NBA I would recommend watching, um, it would probably be the Warriors, but <laughs> the Hornets are... Uh, second, because yeah. they are super fun to watch. Lamelo just does things that don't make sense, uh, and just passes that I really haven't seen on, on on a basketball court before. So, 
He truly, yeah, he truly is. Yeah, you said earlier, like maybe the most fun team to watch in the NBA, the Warriors, and I was, I was, I was thinking, oh, we might be talking about a, a team later that you know might uh, have want to have a word with that conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, just to illustrate, like the with PJ Washington on the court and Plumlee off the court, they're outscoring they're outscoring their opponents by 19 points per 100 possessions. So crazy good. Again, I don't think that looks going to be super effective against certain matchups, like you said. But they'll appreciate having P.J. Washington back. I don't think it was a major injury. I think he was just out uh, yesterday for, uh, for a minor injury. But, yeah, I um, they're super fun to watch. And it's exciting to see where what, what they can do this year. And maybe they could crack, crack in that top six. But, uh, yeah. You know, I, I said it. I said it in the preview. I think they can do it. And, and there's a lot of teams that look pretty good in the East. Uh, the Knicks uh, and also the Bulls, who we're going to talk about in a second here. So we'll see which one of these, or if any of these teams really, are, are true, I don't want to say contenders, but mid-level playoff teams <laughs> in the East. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think the Hornets, I, God, I just love, I, I, you know, I think part of it's I really like their jerseys, <laughs> too, so I just really enjoy the Hornets experience. They're, they're, they're the team of League Pass. They would be my team of League Pass this year, uh, if you have it. The Warriors get on TV enough, so you can see them anytime. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Bulls have been fun. Um, they've been good, and, you know, we thought they would be a fun team, but, you know, not only have they been fun, they've actually been good, even though they haven't really played anyone. What, what have you seen from the Bulls so far? Yeah, I mean, third in defense and 10th in offense. Third, third in defense, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with the offenses that they've played. Um, like, first well, of all, and, and to give some context, sorry, I don't want to cut you off there. To give you some context, they've played the Pistons twice without Cade Cunningham, and the Pelicans and the Raptors. Pelicans without Zion, so, of course. Yeah. Right. Yes, and the Pelicans without Zion. So they really have not played anyone. Yeah. But you know, the city's buzzing. I'm excited for my Chicago <laughs> brethren. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you do live over there. Um, I think the I think we should just say that Zach Levine is really good. <laughs> he, he's 50, 44, 94 this year and looks so comfortable. Really, last season he made a huge jump, and I I honestly didn't really see him getting to this level in his career. So he's definitely proved me wrong. He's a great player, um, but I. I I think that their offense is just really good. You know, they have a lot of, they have three players who really can kind of create their own shot. Vucevic can, can create his own shot in the post. He's got some post game. He's got those hook shots. Levine off the dribble, of course, can hit a pull up three. He's got the mid range game. DeRozan mid range game shooting it a bit more threes this year, which is, is a little bit exciting. Vucevic, for whatever reason, is shooting like way less threes than he has in the past for the magic, which I, I think is a, bad thing because um i mean vucevic being able to spread the floor as a three-point shooter around some of those other scorers and slashers that seems really valuable so i'm not sure exactly why he's not popping all the way out to the three-point line i don't know if that's billy donovan's instruction or just if he sees you know levine and derozan going off of the mid-range and he wants to get it on I, I don't really know why that's happening but um i'd like to see him shoot more threes um and yeah, for all that was said about making Lonzo Ball a point guard again before the season by Billy Donovan, he actually has among the lowest usage rate, uh, rates mm-hmm. among point guards. So he's playing his best role, which is 
get out in transition. I'm a point guard in transition, but I'm a three and D wing on offense. And he's looks just really good in that role. And yeah, I've loved the offense, the off ball cutting. I like Caruso and his, his movement and his downhill threat kind of banks up for his below average shooting. Um, yeah, so that's the offensive side. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts about their offense in particular? Because it, it's they they could be a really good offense, and we already knew that, but it, it's been fun to watch. Well, you know, you were saying that Vucevic hasn't been shooting as many threes, but he also just hasn't been shooting well. So I think if he can start shooting well, I mean, it adds just another dimension to their offense. Um, one thing I will say about Vucevic is, you know. Him, he and DJ Augustine had some really good chemistry on that pick and pop. And I think DJ Augustine is not someone who was a dynamic scorer, especially downhill. So when a player like Levine, if he's running a pick and roll or pick and pop with Levine, Levine can can create his own shot off of that. Whereas, you know, DJ Augustine was almost always going to pass to to Vucevic. So I think, like, it makes sense when you have more offensive threats that... You know, his, his usage rate is actually still really high, but um, if you have more offensive threats, maybe you're not the focal point of the offense, which seems like an obvious thing to say. But I think this is true. In Orlando, he really was the only guy. Um, yeah. So uh, it, that is interesting. That was an interesting observation, though, that he's not he's not popping to the three-point line. Um, and I hope that changes because he is such a weapon on the offensive end. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... You know, I'm still not convinced by this team. I'm not convinced that this is going to be... I'm not convinced that they're going to play at this level uh, for, you know... I'm not convinced that it's going to be sustainable, rather. And we'll see. I mean, they've been fun to watch. I definitely want to go to a game. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, what what about the how how does their defense look to you? How I want you to talk about Patrick Williams because he's someone I'm actually excited about. Yeah, I think Patrick Williams has honestly fit right in offensively with a lot of the other guys around him. I think just providing movement around him um, makes him, you know, he's. I feel. I, I think he's a very high IQ player and just makes a lot of good decisions on the court. And I think putting some really dynamic offensive players around him only, you know, illustrates that further. Um, defensively, I honestly have been just a little disappointed with him. Um, I, I, I think he's going to definitely get better on that end, but I think, yeah, th- there's a reason that uh, Donovan's gone to Caruso and then DeRozan at the four, which seems really weak defensively, and it should be, but again, they haven't played good offenses, and yeah, I mean, Vucevic is like, his on numbers on defense are like, are, are you know, quite good, because obviously they have the third defense, and he's a, he's a key player, but honestly, yeah, his defense is not passing the eye test for me, I don't think that he's a good defender at all and I think that that is going to cost them at some point and they're just giving up a lot of shots at the rim and from three so it feels like like that should cost them at some point now what they're doing really well and I think um this is credit to Billy Donovan and some of the the individual players is that they're not following at all their their opponents are hardly getting to the line against them and you know, sometimes that might go hand in hand with Vucevic just not, like not really being aggressive and contesting shots, and maybe they're just, the opponents are just missing shots. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, the looks that they're giving to their opponents, I think their opponents are going to hit a little bit more, and I just think that against dynamic wings or uh, like they're going to be able to beat Levine and DeRozan uh, off the off the dribble, and 
yeah, dynamic centers too, they're going to be able to punish Vucevic. So I this this there's no way this is a top five defense or a top ten defense in my opinion. Uh, that that's gonna that's gonna come down. And they play the New York Knicks tonight, so it'll be a good test for the Bulls. Yeah, I 100% agree. I I'm definitely not convinced on the defensive end, um, and I don't think they're just good enough to score enough points that defense doesn't matter. Um, so we'll see tonight. Like you said, I'm really excited for that game, although I will be watching football <laughs> instead. Um, but I'm excited to watch the condensed version afterwards and see what happens between these two very fun and plucky teams uh, in the Eastern Conference, the Knicks and the Bulls. Let's move on to the final team that we're going to be talking about today, the Miami Heat I know you really wanted to talk about the Heat, Sahil, so I'm going to I'm gonna let you talk about them. What have you seen from them? Well, this team is <laughs> giving up 91 points per 100 possessions, so very, very good. Number one defense in the That's end. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, we all thought this is going to be a scary defense, and it's been exactly performing up to that level. They're flying everywhere. Spolster's got them playing super tough, and in some cases, you know, you don't really even need to motivate guys like, like Jimmy Butler and P.J. Tucker. And Jimmy did a great job on Harden on Wednesday when they had a convincing win over the Brooklyn Nets. Um, uh, P.J. Tucker, I, I like the way, I like his effort on defense. He honestly still even looks like 5% slower to me on that end. And um, yeah, like it was interesting. He didn't actually get the primary assignment on KD. Bam did, but it was nice because they never went a minute without uh, Bam or P.J. not getting the primary assignment on him, which I think... Um, was nice for them. They always got to have one of those players on KD. But, yeah, uh, their defense, I just can't say enough about it. Just super switchable. Bam can play in a drop or switch out on the perimeter. They've got just really smart and tough and physical and long defenders. And um, I expect this defense to finish, uh, like, in the top three. So that's when their defense have, um, like, do you think this defense can really, like, do you think this could be the best defense in the league by the end of the year? Absolutely. And I think something that is really cool about this defense is their ability to do, like, quick blitzes. Yeah. Uh, when, when when a team's best player is coming off a screen, they're able to blitz that player but then get back into position really quickly and, you know, guard, guard whoever is open. And I think I see that on almost every screen. You know, Jimmy will be trailing – um, and he, he, and if it, let's say it's PJ Tucker, um, who's guarding the screener, uh, they'll blitz, um, the ball handler and then PJ will be able to get back. He does look a little bit slower, but he'll, he'll be able to get back and then they'll blitz someone else on the same possession in the corner. Um, so yeah. it is just such a fun defense to watch. Uh, but I will say their off, their numbers on offense are kind of ugly. Like, yeah. if you pull up their cleaning the glass, there is a lot of blue there. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's going to be a problem. The, the other problem for me with this team is their depth. It's just there's not much there. Um, and I think that's going to be a real problem. I mean, they, they, they're basically going to be a seven-man rotation in the playoffs, in my opinion, unless Dwayne Dedman gets big minutes. So um, I agree. But, yeah, their defense is awesome. Tyler Hero um, is playing much better. Uh, he's still not doing what he was doing in preseason or what we saw two years ago. But I think he and Duncan Robinson are going to be really, really important for this team on the offensive end. 
And if they can get it going, and Duncan Robinson is, you know, shooting, what, 29% from three this year, so not great. I will um, say, though, and I think the conventional wisdom would just be like, oh, you know, Duncan Robinson is one of the best shooters in the league, and he, and he is. He's going to shoot much better than that. But he's missing, like, badly on some of these. He is. He's, like, airballing yeah. threes, which is really weird. And he started off last season like this, too, so maybe a little bit concerning if you're a Heat fan. It is a little bit concerning. I'm not a Heat fan, but it is concerning <laughs> to me. Um, and I think it's just going to be, with the players they have this year, it's going to be harder for him to get great looks uh, against really good defensive teams. I think I think Goran um, Dragic was really important to him, to, to Duncan. And, you know, I mean, Kyle Lowry can be that player too, that facilitator, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't... How has Kyle Lowry looked to you so far this season? I haven't been that impressed. Yeah, so so half-court, I haven't been impressed with him, and I think their half-court offense is just not good. But he's, like, pushing in transition. He's making some, like, full-court passes, and they're leaking out, and they got some really easy buckets like that against the Nets. So I think he's added that that just craftiness on the offense to get— he. I think he's made Bam a little bit even more of a lob threat as well. So I like his passing. I, I agree, though. Like, as you're— the thing that, it, like, he's just a little bit underwhelming from, like, uh, a pick-and-roll standpoint. Like, the thing with the Heat is that, unlike a lot of contenders, they don't have, like, a game-breaking, defense-bending pick-and-roll combination that's just going to make you, like, mm-hmm. sweat. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like Tyler Hero, he's been maybe their best offensive player this year, or one of them, and he's just shooting a lot. He's hardly shooting at the rim. He's hardly getting downhill. He's shooting a lot in the mid-range. But he's been devastating in the mid-range, and that's that's good. That's part of his tool bag, and he should continue embracing that. But, yeah, they don't have, like, a, a, like you know, the Jimmy Bam pick-and-roll, just with neither of those players being able to really shoot consistently. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, I think that they're going to need to hang their hat on their defense because I don't know how high the ceiling is for this offense. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty low, honestly. Um, and, you know, PJ is just a zero on offense. And like you said, I mean, I think it's going to come down to their mid-range game, like you said. And part of that is also Bam. Like, he's got to be shooting decently in the mid-range game for them to be a successful offense. Uh, or, or you know, Markeith Morris is going to have to be like a force off the bench offensively. Uh, which he hasn't been yet this season. Max Struess so, as well. He's he's played well in spurts. We'll, well see you know, Dwayne Dedman has been awesome this year, from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I actually really like Dwayne Dedman. Uh, but uh, Dwayne Dedman, excuse me. But I I mean, he's he's not it for them. Um, he's not going to be that much of a difference maker for them. And you know, it's interesting when you when you look at um, you know, even even Jimmy and Duncan Robinson. All, all of their made threes have been off of assists. So 100% of their made threes are assisted. And that just points to the fact that they can't really create their own shot from three. I mean, it makes sense. Most three-pointers are assisted, I would say. Right. Um, actually, that's interesting. I would want to look into that and see what the, what the average is. Um, but, you know, if they can't get the ball to Duncan in, with great looks... He's he's not going to be able he's not dynamic enough on offense to provide the spark they need to be even a decent offense in my opinion. Yeah, 
No, I agree with that. I could definitely see them being a below average offense. I mean, yeah, it, it'll be, it, it's really, really polar opposites, their offense and defense. It's looking like it might be that way, but they do have, you know, talented offensive players who at least in their prime have been very good and crafty and can, can make tough shots. So we'll see but I, like, I think they could get, they could be like an average offense. I'm not trying to say they're going to be like a bottom, you know, five ten offense, but Here's here's what here's what stood out to me just by you know reviewing the box score of that Nets Heat game. They destroyed the Nets on second chance points, um, which makes sense because the Nets are a terrible defensive rebounding team. But they only they beat them and they only shot twenty eight percent from three and only made eight threes. So, I mean they've got you know they've got the the mid range shooters. If if a team is going to shoot mid range shots and I believe they're shooting the most mid range shots in the league, it should be the Heat because you know Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero, like we said, I mean, they've got, and Bam, as he works on that shot, it's still not great, but, you know, it's a little concerning that they're going to need those kind of looks to keep them in games, but they have the players that maybe they'll be able to, but I don't know. Well, who's, I, facilita- who's facilitating the offense? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they are a little bit too predicated on still that Bam, uh, Duncan Robinson, DHO, which, like, even though even though Duncan Robinson's shooting twenty nine percent from three, that's still creating a lot of gravity, and then you can get you can get looks in that in that way. But yeah, well, no. gravity for who? Bra- gravity for who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's a fair question. I mean, P- and PJ, you know, even if you create a little bit of gravity, PJ's PJ's defender is just gonna go and help off of him because like as exactly. PJ Tucker, I I think he just looks the worst he's looked on offense. I don't even know if he's gonna be like an average corner three-point shooter this season. Like, so, because even in the playoffs, he wasn't shooting well for the Bucks last year. So, I, it'll be interesting to see how Spolstra, like, tinkers with that, too, because, like, if Bam got the primary assignment on KD, like, are you sure you can't just, like, start Hero? And if that game did go to crunch time, should they have played Hero instead of PJ? Because do you really need that? Do you really need that much defense? So, it'll be interesting to see how they, um, how Spolster tinkers with that. And, I mean, just to keep PJ's minutes down, because he's getting old, of course. Yes, yeah. I, I think Hero is going to have to play a big role, because he is their best offensive player, I would say, which is kind of weird to say. Um, but he he's their most dynamic offensive player, yeah. I should say. Um, so he's going to be a very important all right, do you have anything else to say about the Heat before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much everything. Cool. Well, so we got a request to talk about the Ben Simmons situation. Uh, so we're going to talk about that briefly before we get out of here. So for those of you who don't know, um, Ben Simmons over the summer was angling for a trade, did not get traded, said he wasn't going to report to Philadelphia. He did eventually report to Philadelphia, um, but he has not played because um, initially he was out with an injury, but then he uh, told the team and he or Rich Paul told Shams that he was not mentally ready to play. Um, so it's a, it's a really, it's not necessarily a complex situation, but it's a really messy situation in Philadelphia. Um, and it seems like both sides are... Both sides want out, but both sides are making it worse. Like, they're both <laughs> making putting his trade value down. And, you know, Daryl Morey has come out and said, like, he's not going to trade Ben Simmons for peanuts. He wants an all-star level player back 
and I don't think he's going to get that. Um, and, you know, the situation is frustrating to me because, you know, I, you know, we do want to acknowledge if, if Ben Simmons is having, you know, some, some mental health issues, like that's really important and it's really important to take care of yourself. But just on, on a grander scale, his aversion to improvement and to expanding his game is really why he's in this position. He is the same player that he was coming out of college, and it's just not a great fit with Joel Embiid. And the way he's handled this has sort of rubbed me the wrong way, um, especially you know coming out and saying that you know he he's tired of the team bu- being built around Joel, which really the team has been catered to his needs, as Joel uh, said. So, you know, it's a messy situation. I feel like, you know, I'm gonna let you. Come, hop in here in a second, but whatever we say, I feel like has already been said, so there's not a whole lot more to say. But but what are your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, I mean, I think athletes, you know, if they're not mentally ready to play, if they're having mental health issues, they should have the space to um, uh, improve themselves and get in a healthier place before they play again. And that is perfectly okay for Ben Simmons to take time off if he's dealing with mental health issues. But I think the really weird thing about this whole situation is that I thought Simmons was going to be kind of prepared to lose money. And he, that was the kind of trade-off he was taking, right? But mm-hmm. then when I guess he realized that the team wasn't going to just pay him to not be there, and this is before all the mental health stuff happened, then he came back. And that was a really weird thing for to happen. I, didn't, I expected Ben Simmons to at least hold out for a little bit longer. And now he's back, and it's almost worse because... If he wasn't there, you wouldn't have to worry about the locker room dynamic and, you know, fitting him into the offense and when he's actually going to show up. You just you just move on and know that you have a trade chip in the back and Daryl Moore, you continue negotiating. But now we're in this really weird place and I feel like, honestly, like, okay, if you didn't want to show up, that's fine, but then don't, you know, don't, don't make it really weird now by showing up. I just wish he chose to not show up instead of like saying he's not going to show up not reporting to offseason and now showing up and then like a lot of weird stuff happening you know what i mean absolutely and i mean the other thing that i didn't mention was he was kicked out of practice for not basically not giving enough effort um and it's it's not like you know after the season ben simmons is a free agent i mean he's still got three years left after this year on his deal so he can't go anywhere unless he's traded and I mean, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of pe- uh, people have suggested Portland for, like, maybe C.J. McCollum. I I don't know why Portland would want Ben Simmons, but I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't really see any team that would be willing to trade for him, even regardless of whether they're giving up, you know, a top-level player or not. I've seen Indianapolis thrown around, or Indy, thrown around they're they're not indianapolis they're indiana <laughs> uh, thrown around um for maybe malcolm brogdon but i don't think malcolm brogdon is enough uh for daryl morey at least so it's just it, it doesn't seem like anything's going to change and we're just going to be at the stalemate for this season at least yeah i don't know yeah based on all the reporting it doesn't seem like there's been any you know there's been any improvements in negotiations so I don't know. I mean, the the hope for everyone's sake, as I mean, Simmons, you know, deals 
you know, deals with his mental health issues, gets in the right place, is ready to play, and then time can just kind of heal this weirdness. Um, and then he can, he can, if he plays really well, and he, he, he has played really well these last few regular seasons, then maybe he can up his trade value and he can, he can go to a different destination. But Ben Simmons, he's a good player, frustrated with some of his on and off court decisions. Um, but I hope that, <laughs> I hope that Philadelphia can resolve this and Ben Simmons can find a place where he can, he can play and we can, this can be over with soon. But until then, I think what's going to need to happen is that time is just going to have to heal this, this weirdness in the locker room in Philly. But other than that, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's, there's much else to say. Yep. Uh, that is going to be it for me. Thank you so much for um, the listener that requested us to talk about it. Make sure you ask us questions. Give us your thoughts on our discussion. You can follow us at Clear Out Podcast on Twitter. You can email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com with any of your questions you might have. But with that, we are going to get out of here. Until next time, see you guys.